Hi, and welcome to the Vineyard Northwest podcast. At Vineyard Northwest, we aim to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth by raising up world-changing kingdom leaders. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our executive pastors, Luke Hazenmeyer. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day again to all the mothers. You know, if you know about um, my kind of life right now, I've recently stepped into the parenthood life. And um, Jamie and I, if you, uh, if you don't know, we have a nine-month-old boy named Titus. He uh, smiles a lot, laughs a lot. We love him a lot. But um, as we've gone into that journey of, of parenting and and all of the good and all of the hard that comes along with that, <clears throat> I've had this experience where every so often I will be, um, we'll be doing something, maybe he's having a first of his, or maybe um, we're going through something hard with him, and I will like imagine, wow, like this is what my parents were doing with me 31 years ago. And because I'm, uh, Titus is our, obviously our oldest son. I'm the oldest son of my parents. And um, as I just think about that, and I think about my mom taking care of me and Jamie taking care of Titus, it is just (laughs) clearer to me than ever this supernatural, like sacrifice time and energy that mothers put in for their kids. And so I have an amazing mom. Mom, I think she's here right now. Mom, wave to everybody. I have to embarrass you on Mother's Day. Love my mom. Uh, My wife, Jamie, will be here next service. I'll embarrass her then. So happy Mother's Day. Um, And yeah, I want to echo what Orlando said. I know that for many, this is joyful. For some, this is really hard. And so as a church, we're not just here for those of you that are experiencing joy right now. We're here for those of you that are grieving as well. Okay, the other thing I want to do, um, you guys just saw Micah Dawkins and Jenna Dawkins up here leading worship. Very sadly, this is their last Sunday with us before they move. I know. They have been just, uh, you know what, I'm going to have them come up. I bet you they're debriefing in the back, so give me one second. They just look so confused when I pop my head back there. Yeah, Mike and Jenna, um, been here. They they uh, were here a few years. Ago. Jenna's been here for a long time. Mike and Jenna got married, moved to Cleveland, came back, have been here for like six or seven months. Sorry, just to throw you guys under the bus. Um, no, <laughs> but they just have been instrumental in the worship team. I mean, Micah plays literally every instrument up here. So like, if I ever need anything, I was just like, hey, Micah, can you do this? Hey, Micah, can you do this? Hey, Micah, can you do this? And Jenna has just led us into such a, have a culture of passion here. So can you stand, extend a hand out to them? <clears throat> and clap for them, yes. <laughs> Father, we bless Micah and Jenna into their journey. We, um, we love them and we're gonna miss them. We value them so much, but we know that you have amazing work for them. And... Um, you're ready to advance your kingdom in a fresh way in Dallas through them. So blessing and favor on you from this house in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up one more time for Mike and Jenna. 
So I am really excited to kick off a new series here at Vineyard Northwest that we're going to be doing for the next month or so. And the series is called Emotional by Design. And we want to talk about emotions and what it means to be emotional and how that relates to God and the kingdom. And I want to start with this. There have been a number of like wrong beliefs about emotions that I think have persisted in especially our Western culture for a really long time. And I think they're still persisting to this day. And um, one of them is that if you're too emotional, you, and what I, and I'll, I'll define emotional a little bit more later if you're not exactly sure what I mean, but if you're too emotional, it's something to be embarrassed about. Maybe you are sitting in this room and you would call yourself a pretty emotional person. And maybe um, you've had experiences before. I know I have personally. I would not call myself like a super emotional person, although I'm getting more in touch with my emotions. But I can recall times in um, my childhood where I'd be around my friends and something happens and I get super excited. Like I get more excited than the rest of them. And then there's a, like, you kind of get, I kind of would get mocked for that a little bit. And then there'd be this embarrassment about expressing emotion that I would feel. I don't know if, can you guys relate with, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, if you express too much emotion, it's something to be embarrassed about. I think that's a big lie that exists in our culture right now. Because guess what? God made us emotional. Emotional by design. Um, And then secondly, I think there's been this idea that... um, Emotions are something that should be like suppressed or repressed, um, especially if you want to like appear strong or to appear tough in a certain circumstance. Like the tough, strong thing to do is to be less emotional. And I really think that also is a lie that is crippling the relationships and the connection of. Um, all of us in this, you know, in the, all of us that, that are affected by that. So, so I want to talk about emotions. Now, fundamentally, why are we emotional? The fundamental reason we're emotional that I've already alluded to is that we are, have emotions because we are emotional by design. And by emotional, just to boil it down and simplify it, All I mean is the capacity to feel. God made us not just as intellectual beings, not just beings that can think and imagine and process and analyze. Like he made us intellectual beings, yes, but he also made us emotional beings, beings that feel, that feel happy, that feel sad, that feel angry, that feel fear, that feel excitement, that feel hope. He made us beings to feel. He designed us to feel. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every emotion we do feel is like God, like just because God made us emotional doesn't mean that every emotion that we have is an emotion that God like decreed us to have. But he did make us emotional and when we don't value the fact that he made us emotional. When we suppress our emotions, when we um, think our emotions are something to be embarrassed about, when we devalue them in that way, we're actually devaluing something that God designed in us. 
And, um, and I really think that as we learn to be more in touch with our emotions, to process them better, to share them well and share them better, I really believe all of our relationships are going to improve and our relationship with God is going to improve. So let's talk about, um, let's kind of talk about like why God decided to give us emotions. Like God could have just made us one way. Why did he in the first place even give us emotions? Maybe sometimes, um, yeah, you know, it's a lie, but sometimes you might wish, like, God, I wish I was less emotional, you know? So here's why he gave us emotions. And here's the kind of like key framing thought for my message this morning. The designer made us emotional because he is emotional. The designed, which is us, are emotional because the designer is emotional. You see, God wanted to make us in his image. If God made us in his image and he has emotions, then we have emotions too. And if he wouldn't have given us emotions, we wouldn't truly have been in his image. And so let this shift our mindset. Like if God is an emotional being, we have nothing to be embarrassed about or apologize for for having emotions. Emotions are like godly. <laughs> so we have emotions because God has emotions. Now, um, how do we know that, that God has emotions? Well, you can look all throughout the Bible. There are plenty of places where you read about God experiencing emotion or having an emotion, but let me tackle it this way. We know from the message of Jesus that if we want to know what God is truly like, like if we want to know what God at his essence is really like, the best thing to do is to look at the person of Jesus as revealed by scripture. Jesus reveals to us exactly what God is like. This is what the author in Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3 was talking about. Derry, would you mind handing me my paper, my cheat sheet? Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 says this. Listen to this, this is crazy. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Get this part. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Everyone say exact representation. Exact representation. What does exact representation mean? It means Jesus exactly represents God. Not 85%. Exactly. Jesus gives us everything we need to know about who God is and what God is like. And this is important because I think people often get this misconception that like there's Jesus and then there's God, right? And it's like, no, Jesus is God. But there's Jesus and you read about him in the New Testament. He seems pretty awesome. But then there's God. He's a little more scary, right? And they're different. 
Or maybe you'd frame it this way. There's like the Father or the God of the Old Testament, and then there's Jesus, and the God of the Old Testament is different from Jesus. Maybe you've never consciously thought that, but I think that's a thought that exists. And here's the thing. If Jesus is the exact representation of who God is, that means that there isn't this difference between the two. And here's, how, here's what it also means. We need to, when we are trying to know what God is like, we need to not be tempted to think that Jesus plus something else will give us the true picture of God. Like it's not, G, like the Old Testament is super important for revealing Jesus. There are scriptures in the Old Testament that reveal Jesus. So I'm not devaluing the Old Testament at all. But you don't need like passages in the Old Testament that don't talk about Jesus plus all of the scriptures that talk about Jesus to know what God is like. God is fully revealed in Jesus. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know what Jesus is like, you know what God is like. That's why he also said, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever known what God is like. That's in John 1. But um, the Son, who is close to the Father's heart, has made him known. Jesus has made God known. So if Jesus fully reveals God, then the question to ask, getting back to emotions, is was Jesus an emotional guy? And I'm not going to go through a ton of scriptures because we're going to go through some of these in future messages. But can you just throw up that, that slide of all of the verses of Jesus' emotions? Jesus expressing emotion, compassion, grief, anger, love, etc. Boom. Yep. Just keep, put them all up there. Yep. Thank you. So this is not even close to a comprehensive picture of what, of the emotions of Jesus. Like this is just me spending 20 minutes remembering verses that where I, where I knew Jesus expressed emotion. So there is way more than this, but in all of these passages, we read Jesus feeling compassion, feeling grief, feeling anger, feeling love, feeling indignation, etc. Jesus was a very was was emotional. And so what is that if Jesus fully represents God, if Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God, God is emotional. And the Old Testament confirms this. There's a I mean as early as Genesis 6, we read and God felt sorrow about the state of humankind. And so so the designer is emotional. That's where we're getting at. Now, if God is emotional, if we're all convinced of that now, then what does that mean about emotions themselves and how it impacts us? And so the first one I've already kind of talked about, suppression of emotion is a rejection of God's design for humanity. It's not something that makes you tough. It's not something that makes you strong. It is rejecting God. <laughs> and he's not like up there pointing a finger at you, like mad at you if you've done that. I've done that a lot. But he's saying, hey, that's not an option anymore. It's not an option anymore just to be okay suppressing emotions. 
Yeah, there's a lie in the world. Um, We've talked about it already. Um, But there's also another lie that, especially in the West, that says emotional restraint, which is a good thing, that emotional restraint comes through fleshly effort. That if you want to restrain your emotions in order to like live a self-controlled life, it comes through like gritting your teeth, suppressing those emotions. Like if you want to be self-controlled and not blow up on, you know, your friend or your spouse or whoever, the way to do that is when you feel that emotion, just, you know, shove it down there so that it doesn't come out on the other person. And the way you do that is just by gritting your teeth, clenching your fists and trying not to have the emotion. That works real well, doesn't it? So that's kind of the lie. Um, here's how the Bible talks about dealing with, with, you know, big emotions or strong emotions that you're having. Let's read Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. This is awesome. Here's Paul. Be angry. Let's <laughs> just stop there. It is okay to be angry. It is okay to express anger. Be angry and yet... Do not sin. There's the guideline. There's the parameter there. I think a lot of us, we think anger is sin. If I get angry, I'm sinning. I've thought that for, I thought that for many years. That's actually not true. It's what you do in your anger. Be angry yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. So let's talk about this idea of don't let the sun go down on your anger. Um, Raise your hand. I know you probably hate raising your hand in church, but raise your hand if you have understood that at some point in your life, maybe you don't anymore, but at some point in your life, you've understood this verse when it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. You've understood it to mean, make sure you reconcile your conflicts with whoever before you go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, basically the whole room. Me too, right? And um, I, you can kind of see why you would think that, like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It kind of sounds like, you know, don't go to bed until you, like, resolve your anger. And, um, and then, obviously, we've heard this from probably many people over the years. But I actually don't think this is a very good idea to, like, have this almost legalistic principle that if I go to bed without reconciling with someone, I am, you know, I'm sinning or I'm really doing something wrong. Like one, I just don't think it's realistic. Like sometimes you just can't reconcile in like one evening. <laughs> and, um, and if you do, it's just fake. It's rushed. It's inauthentic. And then also it's not helpful. Sometimes best way to reconcile with someone is to freaking go to bed because you're tired, wake up the next morning when you're feeling better and fresh and rested, and then work it out. So I don't think that's what the author is saying here. And by the way, if we wanted to take it as make sure you reconcile before, you know, the sun goes down, why not take it literally like the sun going down? Like it's not before you go to sleep, it's before the sun literally goes below the, your line of sight. So if you don't get your conflicts reconciled before then, you're screwed, basically. Okay, so I don't think that's what Paul's main point was here. What I think Paul was really trying to say is this. Don't allow yourself 
to get to a place where you are no longer able to clearly see why you're angry. Let me read that again. I'll shorten it. Don't let yourself get to a place where you are no longer able to clearly see why you're angry. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let your anger get lost in the darkness. Why is that important? Because every time we experience a strong emotion, especially if it's in a conflict situation, it is actually an opportunity for growth with whoever the person is that we're in relationship with. It's an opportunity to stop and go, okay, something you just said really caused you know, feeling, anger, defensiveness, whatever, to rise up in me. And what God is calling us to do when that happens is to process through that emotion well in such a way so that we can actually grow ourselves and grow closer with the person that we are um, in relationship with. Now, let me give an example. It doesn't have to do with um, relationships, but I think it'll still be helpful. So if you know me, you know that I love strategic board games, like better than anything, you know, except for maybe the banquet last night, but better, like, <laughs> like my ideal night is, um, and aside from going on a date with my amazing wife, Jamie, okay, <laughs> gotta get the priorities right here. Um, <laughs> my, um, my, fav- my ideal night is like group of friends together, board game, snacks, and play that board game for three hours. And it's hilarious because Wilson and I are best friends, and that's like hell for him. <laughs> I'm imagining that. He likes some games, but um, yet yeah, our friendship has endured over, you know, 22 years. So um, that shows we were truly friends. But anyways, so I love strategic board games, and one of the games I grew up playing and love is Risk. Anyone ever played the game Risk before? Again, a game that can go for a long time. Well, I recently found out that Risk, you can play Risk online with an app, and they do things to speed up the game without losing like any of the real value of the game, that these games can go in like 20 or 30 minutes. And so if you know Risk, you know sometimes it takes two or three hours, but that's because like you're moving all these pieces, you're rolling dice a bunch. So anyways, so I started playing online Risk on my phone, and I... Uh, there's like four million people that played, and yeah, I'm gonna brag on myself for a second. I achieved the grandmaster status of risk. I got up to 3,000th in the world um, at one point. I've lost my rank a little bit since then. But, um, but as I started playing risk, like I would, you know, if you know me, you know I'm a pretty reserved person. Um, but as I'd be playing risk, something would happen, a player would do something dumb or like that felt unjust to me on the game and I would just feel rage, like intense anger. And um, threw my phone a few times and just like was, and so that happened over and over and over again and eventually the Lord kind of like stopped me at one point point. was like, hey, are you just okay with like raging on online risk. And 
And so I, uh, I paused and, for, and you know, I had let, I'd let the sun go down on my anger for a while there. Like I had just been angry over and over again, not really known exactly why, except for, I don't like you, you know? So um, when I took it to the Lord and I asked him like, why am I getting so angry about this? What he showed me was that because like the, the risk game does like a ranking system, and because if, um, if you, like, I'm just, I'm a competitive person. I want to be the best. So that's who I am. And I realized, wow, like, I'm, like, valuing myself and, like, my identity based on my rank in this game. And so whenever I lose, and I think it was unfair, what I'm, I'm mad about losing, yes, but what I'm really mad about is my value decreasing because my rank is decreasing. And so... Just realizing that, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm like totally f- like free from anger ever, but from that game, but that really was a growing thing for me. Like I know now, like if there's anything that ranks me, I got to be on guard because that kind of like is a sensitive spot in my heart. That's something that can, the enemy can easily come in and poke me at. And so all this to say Letting the sun go down in your anger is if I had never had that conversation with the Lord. And so I want you to think about your life. Like, is there a little, it's not just for anger, but let's let's focus on anger. Is there something that really makes you angry? And if if there is, and it's, you know, it could be a various amount of things, but if there is, have you ever taken time talking to the Lord about it? Asking him like, hey, why am I feeling so angry about this? Have you ever talked to another um, follower of Jesus, maybe one who's a little farther along with, than you about it. Like, don't let the, let's not let the sun go down on our anger or on our intense negative emotions anymore. It's an opportunity to take it to the Lord and to grow. Moving on. Uh, second point, being out of touch with emotions isn't a sign of intellect or cerebral prowess, but a lack of wisdom. Now, some context. Maybe you hear that and you're like, who would ever think being out of touch with their emotions is like a good thing? Like, maybe that's a disconnect for you. Like, why would anyone ever be proud of being out of touch with their emotions? But I am honestly here to tell you that has been me a lot of my life. Like, I have said before, yeah, I'm just not super in touch with my emotions and felt like a sense of being proud of that, a sense of pride in that. Maybe some of you can relate with me. And usually what it had to do with was like, if someone says something offensive to me, or if, we're dis- if I'm discussing a topic with someone where you'd expect there to be emotion, but I wasn't feeling emotion, I would be kind of proud of that. Like, oh, I'm proud that I'm out of touch with what I'm feeling. Or maybe if... Uh, a significant other, would, like if Jamie would ask me, like, hey, how, you, how do you feel about this? I'd be like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, just, I'm not really in touch with my emotions. I don't know how I feel about that. And here's the deal. Um, upon reflection, for my, you know, this is just me, for my personal life, it's not that I actually didn't have feelings that I could share. Specifically, some few times early on in my marriage with Jamie, she asked me, hey, how are you feeling about this? I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't that I, I didn't actually have feelings. It was I was afraid or didn't want to explore them with her. 
it was, I probably could dive into this, but that conversation feels exhausting to me. So I'm just going to say, I don't know how I'm feeling. I'm not in touch with my emotions. And not being in touch with your emotions is not something to be excited about or proud of because Jesus was in touch with his emotions. And if we want to be like Jesus, then it's not an option just to be okay with that. Like if, if, you, if you're sitting in this room and you want to be like Jesus, yet you know you're not super in touch with your emotions, great place for you to grow is pressing into being in touch with your emotions. <clears throat> and even beyond just trying to be like Jesus, um, in, in important relationships in my life, in my relationship with Jamie, with Wilson, with others, I've actually found that sometimes if we're arguing about something, me, instead of sharing why I think I'm right and why you're wrong, me sharing how I'm feeling about the conversation, like, obliterates, like, changes everything. Like, I remember a few years ago when I first started doing this, Jamie and I would be talking and arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about something. She'd be getting madder and madder and madder. And I would, there's a time I can specifically remember, I just pause and I said, you know what, like, I just feel sad when, we, when we're talking about, you know, I just feel sad when you say this, or I just feel sad when, um, that, you, that you, you think this of me. And the second that I shared how I was feeling, it was like everything in her completely shifted. Like all of a sudden she is like, all the anger just is just gone. And we just connect. All it took was me sharing how I felt. And I, instead of just going like, and I want, so if you ever find yourself in a situation where back and forth, back and forth, you're just arguing, try that pause and be like, Hey, try, you know, figure out what you're feeling and why you're and what and you, maybe you don't know exactly why you're feeling it, but sure. Hey, I'm feeling this way right now. You'd be surprised how that can really impact a conversation and a relationship. Uh, next, we are designed emotional, but not every emotion we experience comes from the designer. Um, in Luke 9, 53 verse, uh, through 55, let's read that. This is Jesus going with um, James and John through a city, and listen to what happens. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So what's happening here? Jesus gets rejected. James and John get angry about it and want to blow up the city. <laughs> Jesus isn't angry. And I think this is such an important thing for us to realize that like a big part of emotional health is feeling what God is feeling and figuring out and then figuring out when you're not, when you're feeling something that God isn't feeling and processing that with him. <clears throat> like if I'm in a conflict with somebody and I'm feeling intense anger for them, what if I just pause and ask, Lord, like, are you with me in this anger? You know, because God, he feels, he does feel anger with us sometimes. Like if you 
I remember the first time that I became aware of the sex trafficking slave trade in Southeast Asia, and I felt angry. And you know what? I don't think I was just feeling angry out of my own. I think God is angry about that. And I was sharing in God's anger for that. And I think there are times when, you know, God feels intense joy and maybe it's during worship. And, and I think God is feeling joy. And so sometimes when we start to feel that joy too, it's not just that we're getting excited. For, it's like we're feeling his joy. We're feeling joy with him. So there are there are plenty of times where God is feeling an, a strong emotion and that we're feeling and that we're actually feeling emotion with him. But then there are times, like we just read, where we're feeling a strong emotion. We're like, I am about to slap that person, right? And God's like, I'm not feeling that way. And so figuring out when we're not feeling an emotion that when we are feeling emotion he's not feeling is a huge part of starting to grow. And we're going to talk more about that in one way or another. Last point we are called to be the master of our emotions, not be mastered by them. Second Peter 2.19 says this, for people are slaves to whatever masters them. So I know up until this point, my main thing has been, hey, get more emotional. Because I think we do. I don't think it's just for men. I think it's for all of us. Get more in touch with your emotions. But we also need to understand that God is not calling us to be controlled by our emotions. That's the whole point of be angry and yet do not sin. So yes, feel your feelings, express your emotions, be emotional, but don't sin. And so that requires some restraint, some willpower on our end. And this is something to grow towards. Like if you have struggled with this, if you've struggled with sometimes feeling out of control emotionally, hey, no shame there. We all have our struggles. But today, how about you take one step towards emotional growth? Um, ask the Lord, whatever that is. Um, and this is what James, I think, is talking about when he, when he says, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I'm not going to put it up there. But you probably know the scripture, James 1.19 my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should take note of this. You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The key here is this. Being quick to listen and slow to speak actually helps us be slow to anger. A lot of the times, the reason that we get offended or triggered or feel intense anger is because we are slow to listen and understand and quick to speak out what we think. And... And so um, understanding is critical. Now, in addition to that, we primarily become people that are slow to anger, not by exercising willpower in the moment. Like I talked about earlier, it's not like the best way to become slow to anger is to grit your teeth, clench your fists, and push that anger down. But we become slow to anger by pursuing mind renewal after the fact so that we can have a different response the next time a similar thing happens. What do I mean by mind renewal? Mind renewal is, hey, what belief do I have right now that led me to feel that anger? Like, was it that I feel like my worth comes from my risk rank? Or was it I feel like if you aren't happy with me, then there's something deeply flawed about me. 
Or is it, I feel or I believe that I'm alone and nobody wants to spend time with me? Like, what is the belief that is the reason for the anger? And as we continually not let the sun go down in our anger, but continually be like, Lord, I felt anger there. Let's process it. I'm going to do it with you. If I can't get breakthrough with just you and I, I'm going to bring another person into it. Lord, I felt a lot of fear about this. What's going on there? What's the belief there? Okay, if I can't get it with just you, then bring someone else in. You know, Lord, I just felt despair, et cetera, et cetera. As we, as we go through that process, we become people that are believing better. And if we're believing better, then we're going to feel better. think that's it. Why don't you stand with me? <laughs> Agree with me in prayer if, if you can honestly say this. If you're not here yet, it's okay. Um, and all I mean by that is just tell the Lord as I'm saying this that you're saying it too. Lord, we've not thought about emotions rightly. And our culture and society uh, certainly haven't thought about emotions rightly. And we acknowledge that we are emotional beings because you made us emotional. And that even if, even if I don't feel in touch with my emotions or if I feel like emotions are somehow a bad thing, like I know that growth with you is growth in my emotional health and in my emotions. I acknowledge that. So I'm ready to take my first step of growth in exploring feelings. I'm not looking down on them anymore. I repent for looking down on emotions or uh, the expression of emotions or feelings. I'm, yeah, I just actually feel like right now that a huge barrier to this is just like looking down, like you're not a man if you're, if you're, in touch with your feelings or you're weak if you're emotional. Like that is a huge barrier right now. And so I'm going to pray for freedom from that. If that's something that you want, like if you're feeling that, like every time he says the word feelings, I cringe a little bit. Like if that's you, that's the enemy right now. And I really believe God's going to set you free from that. So um, respond somehow. You don't have to like be, do something super demonstrative. You can put your hand on your heart. You can put your hands out like this. You can even just fold your hands, whatever you want to do to show the Lord you're responding. But in Jesus' name, I release freedom from the lie that emotions are a bad thing, that there's something to be embarrassed about, that there's something that make you weak. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name, release freedom into the room by the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Let there be a release right now in Jesus' name. And Father, thank you for how you're going to grow us in um, ex exploring, expressing, experiencing, and processing our emotions in this series. We are ready for it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>